Thank you, son-in-law. <laughs> okay, let's start again. Okay, here we are. Good morning. <laughs> it is good to be here, and we feel very much at home. Uh, when John had asked me to preach, I thought, uh, you know, yeah, I've been a dad for a long time and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, there's so much that you just are walking by faith and doing and depending upon God that there is no such thing, in my opinion, as an expert dad. You're just giving life the very best you have. We're all different personalities. We've come from different backgrounds. And now we're at the arrival at the place we are today. This is our day. My journey's been quite interesting. Uh, many of you know I was just uh, born in a little mountain village in Pennsylvania called Sweet Valley. Uh, at the age of five, my mom passed away, and my older sister sort of stepped in, village time, and back then you could do that, and helped out. Uh, found uh, the Lord at a very young age with a friend who invited me to go to a youth group. At that point, I was hungry for any kind of fellowship that existed there. Um, headed off to college at a very early age. And uh, finally, the Lord opened a door of opportunity when the president said, uh, there's a church that's gone through some really bad times in the Washington, D.C. area. Now, Washington, D.C. sounded like a place that you got to go on very special occasions when you were from Sweet Valley, Pennsylvania. And he said, I want you to go down and talk to that church and see what's going on down there and see if we can get that congregation restarted. So at the age of uh, 20, I decided, why not conquer the world? Let's go. 
we went down to visit, and sure enough, the Lord laid upon our heart to start out there. I arrived there with a wife and a four-month-old little girl named Jane. And we were ready to serve the Lord and do whatever God wanted done. Uh, Chris, the small congregation that was getting restarted, couldn't afford a salary. So I thought, well, I'll get a job with the U.S. government. And God provided for many years, and finally over 45 and a half years, uh, God blessed, and so much happening in that congregation. And I grew, as a man, I grew as one who could be a dad, finally a granddad and a great-granddad, but I was helped by so many people. I was helped by great elders, uh, great men of God, uh, ministers all over the world I just would talk to and get to know, and I am not here as a self-made person by any means. I'm not telling you that. I'm here by a man who loves the Lord, loves being a husband, loves being a dad, loves being a granddad, and more than anything else, I love letting the Lord work through me to accomplish whatever can be done. So dads, I hope that is your desire today. First of all, I want to know, how many dads do we have here? If you're a dad, stand up and stay standing. Just stand up. Stand up. If you're a dad, now if you're associated with that dad as a, a wife, a son or daughter, I want you to stand up and just give him a little hug. Let him know that you love him too. Stand up now. Okay, my wife's reaching her hug across the miles here and so on. If you see any dads standing and aren't getting hugged, you go hug them. Go ahead, it's okay. We need, we need every dad to feel like they're important today and they can make it. Thank you very much. Some of us now are people who have their dads have passed away and some passed away for a long time. But you know, there's something about a dad's spirit. I don't care how long the dad has been with you or not with you. Something about a dad's spirit that tends to live on for a long time. And I had a father-in-law that was the same way, became a dad to me. Now dads, I want to tell you what my desire is today is to share God's word in a way that will be an encouragement to you as a dad. We're not here to put dads down. We're not here to make you feel guilty. I want you to feel hopeful in the Lord that God's given you an opportunity, and an opportunity that in the mind of God, he believes that you can accomplish. And what he wants you to do is believe that you can be the best dad in your situation that God would have for that exact location. I believe you have a desire to do the best you can do. Most dads I talk to do but they don't feel very adequate to the task. So hopefully by using God's word today, we can share with you some things that will help you know what God wants you to do. I came across a very interesting fictional article, but I've always found it fascinating uh, how God created dads, fathers. So this fictional article states this. He started with a tall frame, and a female angel nearby said, what kind of father is that? If you're going to make children so close to the ground, why do you put fathers up so high? He won't be able to shoot marbles without kneeling, tuck a child in bed without bending, or kiss a child without a lot of stopping, stooping. And God smiled and said, yes, but I make him child-sized who would have children to look up to him. When God made a father's hands, they were large and sinewy. And the angel shook his head sadly and said, do you know what you're doing? Large hands are clumsy. They can't manage diaper pins, small buttons, rubber bands, or ponytails, or even remove splinters caused by baseball bats. And God smiled and said, I know, but they're large enough to hold everything a small child empties from their pockets at the end of a day, and yet small enough to cup a child's face in his hands. Well, then God molded long legs and broad shoulders. And the angel nearly had a heart attack. And God smiled and said, Come on, a father needs strong shoulders to pull a sled, balance a child on a bicycle, or hold a sleepyhead on the way home from the circus. Now, God was in the middle of creating two of the largest feet the angel had ever seen. When the angel could not contain himself anymore, 
That's not fair. Do you honestly think those large boats are going to dig out of bed early in the morning when a baby cries? Or walk through a small birthday party without crushing at least three of those little angels? And God smiled and said, they'll work, you'll see. They'll support a small child or display shoes that'll be a challenge to fill. God worked throughout the night, giving the father few words, but a firm, authoritative voice, eyes that saw everything, but remained calm and tolerant. Finally, almost as an afterthought, God added tears. Then he turned to the angel and said, Now are you satisfied that he can love as much as a mother? And the angel was silent. There are many ways in which moms and dads have unique privileges of service and opportunity and talents and gifts that God's given them. But there's a way in which a mom and a dad ought to be so linked together in any way possible that they can have a job they feel confident to do. And that's where the church comes in. Not every child is blessed with a mom and dad. Or a mom and dad who loves them, or a mom or dad who's present. And that's where the church steps in when there are other moms and dads that can step in to help that dad, to help that mom. And so God has a collective job being done and accomplished that no child will left without their needs being met. Now I'm going to direct your attention to Luke 15. It's called the story of the prodigal son, but today, of course, we're going to call it the story of dad. A dad that there are at least three things in this story that I believe that will bring encouragement to you and help you understand God's role and why God needs you as a dad. Beginning in Luke 15, verse 11, and dads, just listen and see if there's something here that you can pick out for yourself that says, that would speak to me. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his census, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatty calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, 
who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There's so many lessons in that for dads. I want to start out with the first one that I saw here, was dad, one of your important roles is just to be a provider. A dad provides for his family. A dad should care more about his family than he cares about himself. I think there are two ways that dads need to think about providing for the family. First of all, the physical needs. Did you notice in verse 12, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate, assuming there was an estate, that God was providing for his family. So the father divided and had something to divide and give for that son to take with him, regardless of what he did. It seems obvious the father had been concerned about planning well for his family. While it's often a shared opportunity, I agree, between moms and dads, 1 Timothy 5.8 states this, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So dads, God set you aside to be concerned and try to provide, not abundantly compared to anybody else, but just take care of them. Provide the needs that God desires for them to have and feel a sense of responsibility. They ought to have the highest priority in your life. And it should be a joy to provide, not simply an obligation. I just want to give a little side sermon, not just to dad, but to everyone. I have a great concept that just touches my heart that I hope people could understand more and more when they're serving the Lord. We need to get out of the mindset of just doing things because we feel we have to. Something within us should create the desire that we want to that we want to. You know, do, do I have to do this? No, you don't have to. Dads, do you have to love your wives? It's not a case of having to love your wives. When you love them enough, you want to. It's moving from the have-tos to the want-tos. Do I have to provide for this family? No, you get to. The blessing was handed to you from God. It's a joy to provide for your family. It's a joy to give them the highest priority in your life and putting their needs above your own. But notice there's also a concept for the spiritual needs. Verse 21 says, the, father, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Obviously, he'd been taught something about right and wrong. Sin, God, evil. Dad's the most important thing you're going to give any child that you have that's going to go beyond this life into eternity is their soul. That's it. Cars don't go. Clothing doesn't go. Food doesn't go. The only thing that goes is the soul. So when you have focused on seeing that your children know God and love God, and love God through you and see God through you. You have met a high need that God wants you to accomplish. A father's greatest concern is to see that their family puts God first in their lives because dad puts God first in his life. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Dads, let me just tell you this. I can't think of any way you can have more fun with your child they get to the point that they come back to you and say, Dad, thanks for teaching me about God. I love God. I love going to church. I love being with Christian people. That's your goal. You motivate children to do not what you're telling them they have to do, but finally they get it. And they want to do it because they see you finding the joy that you have in your own life of serving God. Deuteronomy 6, 4-7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the God is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be written upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. If there's one thing that you would say be at the top of the list that dads you want to give your child, it's a three-letter word. Starts with a capital G and ends with D. And oh, what that means. You give them God. And that's the goal of every dad, simply to give them God. Be willing to say, in this house, we all follow the teaching of God's word. I'm not telling you not to cheat because nobody in this house cheats. I'm not telling you don't lie because the truth is that nobody in this family lies. I don't want any of us to go against the will of God. So if you want to know, son, daughter, what it's like to follow God, just listen to and watch me. I want to be a shining light for you in what it means for you to know God and love God. I want you to love God even more than I do. And that's going to be hard because I really love God as a dad. Be willing to say, I'm not just telling you to respect your mother because I'm telling you, God wants you. We all respect your mother. You guide them with the thought that they can see, they can watch, they can feel, they can know. And we'll help each other get the task accomplished. Virginia Zerwinski was teaching a fourth grade class, and she's working on Father's Day cards to accompany the gifts they'd made. She suggested the students might illustrate the cards with a favorite activity or something that Dad really liked. Golf or fishing, she said, for example. Finally, Gus, there's usually one in every class, raised his hand. He asked her, he said, Teacher, may I draw a picture of my mom? He really likes her a lot. Now, dads, if that was your kid in that class, wouldn't that make you proud? I'm not going to put golf. I'm not going to put a baseball player. I'm going to put a picture of my mom. Because the one thing I've seen that my dad loves very much is my, that's where it starts. You love God, you love your wife, and you love your children. And it just keeps building and building and building until God gives you all the power he possibly can. There's something powerful in watching a family worship God together. Dads, another sideline for you, speak well of the church. Kids are turned away from the church if they hear dads complaining and grumbling about the church. Why would your child want to go someplace that you're complaining about? Why would your child want to be a part of people? You don't even like being with, obviously, the child the way he is. It's important because kids listen. They watch. They want to know what you really believe inside, deep in your heart. When they hear you speaking well of Christ, the church, and the leaders, and what's going on at the church, and you try to make the very best out of it, your kids can capture that as something that's important to them as well. What's Proverbs 22, 6 say? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Talk with your children, spend time with them, and really help them get to know what life's all about with spending time with God. A dad told his son one day, he was going to take a day off work. He said, son, I'm going to spend the entire day with you. Dad planned out a marvelous day. They had a great time. At the end of the day, the son asked, Dad, can you also take tomorrow off? The dad interpreted this to the son that not really appreciated the fact he took a day off work. Then the son added, Today, we did what you wanted to do. If you took tomorrow off, maybe we could do what I wanted to do. Dad stopped and thought, I missed the boat again. 
of not listening and hearing and knowing my child so well, I would know what he would actually want to do if he spent a day with me. I didn't even ask him. I thought I had it all planned. And sometimes, Dad, you know, we can be so intense on doing the right thing and getting it all done, we don't listen. We don't listen to what our wife or the kids say they would like. And lots of times it's just more time with you and more fun. That's not only true of a son, that's true of a daughter. So God needs you to be a provider. Provide physically and provide spiritually. But secondly, God needs you to be dependable. Did you notice when that prodigal son had wasted his inheritance, what was his conclusion? Oh, I'll just run farther away from home so they never find me. He, something inside of him was a seed that says, I'm miserable, I'm broke, I've done stupid things, I've I'm, I'm lived an evil life. What can I do? Dad, this will break your heart with joy. He said, my dad. My dad will want me still. My dad will want to take care of me because I'm his son. I, I didn't want to go back as a son. I just want to go back as a hired servant. I would just like to be a hired servant to my dad, I think, so, so much of him. When he came to his sense, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am starving? He trusted his dad. Dads, I know it's a tough question, but just ask yourself privately this question. Do my kids trust me? Do my kids believe that I have their best interest in my heart? Do my children and wife trust me? Don't hesitate to tell your children that you love them. And not by the performance. You love them. I love this phrase. I've used it on many occasions. I think, I think it's a great phrase for every dad to say to every son and daughter and say to them, you know, if God came to me one day and said, I know this is your son, but if you could go around the world and check every son out that exists any place in the world, I'm going to send you on that trip. What would you do? Dad, don't hesitate. I would go on that trip. I would go around that world. I'm convinced I would find no son. I can write it where you are, and I would still say to God, this is the son I want. This is the daughter I want. I'm not looking for anybody else. You're the one I want. You are my gift from God. You can trust me. I will be here for you always, no matter what happens. When children trust their God, hopefully they're more open to share accomplishments, concerns, advice, Dads, build in your children that you not only have a mouth to speak firmly, but you have two ears that are perched to hear what they have to say, to know the heartbeat of what's going on in their lives, and to care about them enough to be there with them. Sometime back, I was using a treadmill at the LA Fitness and watching a news station on TV on the treadmill at the same time. I'd never seen this interesting commercial before, but this one touched my heart. The dad and son are in the kitchen, at obviously an early morning time, son sees the kitchen table and dad's asking him, okay, buddy, what's your favorite kind of Cheerios? The son replies, honey nut, but chocolate's my other favorite, but apple cinnamon's my favorite too, and fruity, oh yeah, and frosted. The father gets slightly aggravated, his son can't make up his mind. He says, okay, but what's your most favorite of all? The son thinks for a second and then answers, hmm, the kind I have with you. The dad thinks that's a great answer and adds as he's sitting down at the table with his bowl of Cheerios, me too. 
What's the favorite time of day? What's the best thing that we can have? The thing I do with you. My time with you. I realize it's simply a discussion about cereal, but I believe that's a discussion about life. Dads, what is your best time in the entire day? The time of being with or the times of doing things for? There is no substitute for being there. God needs a dad who's a provider and dependable, but God needs a dad who's loving and forgiving. Dads, sometimes we can be so strong and so determined and the voice so loud and just moving forward, but we really don't stop to hear the voices, what they're saying around us. We're so determined to do it right. We know the job is so big. And so this son got up and went to his father. You saw what happened, didn't you? The dad wasn't standing there saying, well, it's about time you're coming back. I'm glad you got to your senses. What a stupid thing. Now you've wasted all that money. What do you think you're going to do now? What are you going to eat? What are you going to do? Now, dad, his only thought was what? He left the house and heads out as soon as he saw that son and said, my son, that in my mind was dead, is now alive. Let's celebrate. Now, he just started the journey back. He just was here. It wasn't like he'd accomplished it all already. He didn't wait. He said, I will celebrate the process that you're trying to do the very best thing. You may not always get it right, son, but when you make that decision, what you want, you know it's true in the Lord. If you want to be with me, and I want you to be with your Heavenly Father as well and follow him, then we will share this joy together. Dads, there's no way you're always going to get it right. Just admit the fact that God already knows you're human. He understands that more than you understand it yourself. But God knows your heart. It's not so important our hands and our feet are perfect. We're accomplishing everything perfect. It's that our heart is right. That we love our family with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. We love them more than we love ourselves. And above all this structure called family, we see above us as well a Heavenly Father that wants more than ever for us to have a great family. And I love to hear every dad say, as much as there is any ounce of energy or strength or knowledge or courage in me, my goal is to have this family be what God wants them to be. I will be here for this family and for every family I can touch in relationship to my family and see that they are loved, that they know God, and understand God gave life, God gave us the family, and eternity will be a great family celebration with God. I came across just yesterday, and I thought, should I add it to this sermon or not, and decided I would. Ten ways to be an all-pro dad. Listen. They're simple. One, love your wife. Two, spend time with your kids. Three, be a role model the best you can. Four, understand and enjoy your children. Five, show affection. Six, secure your family's financial future. Seven, eat together as a family. Eight, discipline with a gentle spirit. Nine, pray and worship together. And ten, realize you're a father forever. I love those ten things. They're basic, they're realistic, they're accomplishing, and they're, they give us some tools that we can use. Let me tell you about my father. He's a person everybody loves once they get to know him. Years ago, he worked as a structural engineer. I can't help feeling proud of him. He designed and constructed some tremendous things. Mount Everest, several oceans, 
and I don't know how many galaxies, all from the lost materials, nothing. He's a financial wizard involved in a fantastic movement. He's put down the full purchase price for the entire company of mankind. Let me give you a little personal sketch of my father. He's a person of few words, but they're worth listening to. He's loving, understanding, has a sense of humor. He's honest, keeps his word and disciplines fairly. The companionship I share with my father, well, it's hard to talk about. Generous. I've got his word that he'll supply all your needs. Can you beat that? Well, you probably guessed it. My father's a VIP. He's above the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And you're right. He's not my natural father. I'm just a commoner. They let me into his family anyway. There's nothing that thrills me more than this relationship, God and I, father and child. Dads, if there's any joy you have today, find your joy and your hope in this. You also have a dad. You have a father. You have a heavenly father who knows you, who loves you, and wants to see you succeed in the task that fills your heart. Provider, dependable, loving, and forgiving. Dad, God does need you. He really does, just as you are. God will use you. God will bless you. I hope and pray that you will feel encouraged as a dad and thank God for the honor and the privilege that he's given to you to be a dad from your Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Almighty God and our loving Heavenly Father, we are so mindful of you as the giver of every good and perfect gift. We know that as dads we shouldn't hesitate or feel so inadequate, but the task seems so big and so important to us that there are times we do have those uncertainties. Fill our hearts. Give us wisdom. Give us joy. Help us to just feel a heartbeat of those around us Love them so much that we want to listen, we care. And most of all, that we'll try to be the best role model we can be. And God, when all of this works, and we know it will, may our life and our family and the church where we worship bring honor and glory to you forever and ever. Amen.